BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. So should we try to reconcile with the Trump humpers out there? Should we try to be nice to people who voted for Donald Trump? No, you know, the last guy called in at the end of the last hour, he was like, you know, he wanted to take on China. And I like that. I am quite willing to believe that he was being honest. I had a conversation with Chauncey DeVega about this yesterday. I think it's going to show up on his uh, program or podcast in the next few days, in which I said, you know, I think that the, the Trump vote is probably largely, I mean, there are, there are some people who are just kind of, we're culturally conservative, but usually that's just code for racism. But I think probably about half the Trump voters are racist, and about the other half are people who th- really believed you know, low information voters, Fox News watchers who really believed that Donald Trump was trying to do something about the economy, who actually believed that he made a good economy because he said it over and over again. I mean, Obama gave the lie to it. In the last three years of the Obama administration, more jobs were created than in the first three years of the Trump administration. All Trump did was he had the good fortune to preside over a three-year echo of the Obama boom. But I think that there are some people out there who voted for Trump for what you might consider to be better reasons than worse reasons. I'm not sure how many of them there are, but, but even those folks, you can, for the very best of reasons, support somebody. I mean, you know, the people love the fact that Mussolini made the trains run on time and Hitler invented the Volkswagen and built the Autobahn. Does that excuse the, uh, the gas chambers? I mean, I realize that that's the extreme metaphor that you should never go to, but, but at what point do you say, I'm not going to accept you into polite society. At what point do you say this to Trump voters and to the Trump humpers in the administration? People, I mean, you know, there's, there's all this kind of buzz, and I don't know how much of it is schadenfreude and how much of it is real. You know, somebody uh, on one of the message boards uh, yesterday or the day before, they were talking about that they overheard somebody in a restaurant talking on the phone going, uh, you know, nobody wants my resume because I worked in the administration. How long is this going to last? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm not willing to accept these people back into polite society. They damn near destroyed this country. You can be all in favor of, of having a protectionist trade policy with regard to, to China and, frankly, the rest of the world. I'm all in favor of that. I think America should be putting our working class people first in terms of all economic decisions. And I get it that there's a whole global elite and many of them are Democrats. Tom Friedman wrote a whole book, right? The, the, uh, the Lexus and the Olive Tree, uh, promoting global free trade. It's going to solve everything. And, you know, there was this big theory that, uh, you know, if, if all of our economies became interdependent, we'd never go to war with each other. There may be some truth to that. But I think as a general principle, it's not probably as strong as the importance of simply having your own country be strong. China now has a larger economy than us because we sent our jobs there. So, yeah, I, you know, I get it that people are voting these kind of things. But in the process, they were voting for the destruction of democracy in America. They were, they were voting for a psychotic president 
a guy that if he had been born poor would be a serial killer and is now satisfying his revenge fantasies by sitting around with Jared Kushner back in April of this year, chuckling about how blue state governors were having to deal with the fact that in blue states, lots and lots of people were dying and the hospitals were overflowing and they were having to bring trucks, org trucks in. We literally have death and destruction as the result of the Trump presidency. And I don't care why you say you voted for him. In my mind, you are at least morally criminal, reprehensible. And then we get, you know, Rick Santorum on CNN saying, we just all need to give him a few days to process this. You know, it takes time. What was that T-shirt after the 2016 election that was so popular among Trump humpers? I think it said, F your feelings. Trump, Pence, F your feelings. And they spelled out the word F. That's how I'm feeling right now about these Trump humpers. Somebody the other day said to, uh, I think it was to Joyce, I'm not sure. You need to stop calling them Trump humpers. That's really uh, demeaning. Yes, I am demeaning them. If you voted for Trump for any reason at all, you are dead to me. <laughs> I, mean, I just have no, no interest in hearing your opinions outside of an academic, an anthropological, an archaeological interest. Gee, let's uh, go spelunky. Let's, let's dig into this. Let's, let's find some obscure part and, and discover what's going. Yeah, you know, I'm curious. But I don't even want to have dinner with you. I'm over it. Anand uh, Girid Haradas pointed out, he says, I think O.J. Simpson has a right to look for the real killers. People on Reddit have a right to figure out what really happened when men went to the moon. And Donald Trump has a right to look for the real election results. But that doesn't mean the government has to shut down. That doesn't mean that Joe Biden shouldn't be getting security clearances for the people that he wants to appoint to cabinet positions and that he shouldn't be getting the presidential daily brief. It doesn't mean any of that. It means we should just let Donald Trump, you know, continue on his on his little horse with his little lance going after his windmills. Continuing his little scam so that he can squeeze, you know, he's probably squeezing five, ten million dollars a day out of his base, particularly now that they're all clicking, you know, a donation that is a recurring donation, a weekly recurring donation. Most of these people aren't even going to figure this out until they get their credit card bills in what, January, December? Well, I guess it'd be December now. And then they're going to be going, whoa, I don't recall giving Trump, you know, 50 bucks every single week for the last six weeks. Whoa, what happened? Are you ready to cut these people slack? Gary Dorado said, he said, you don't pursue unity with people trying to sabotage your democracy in real time, live right now. You don't reach out your hand to people whose hands are themselves busy rigging democracy to throw out all the votes from the entire state of Pennsylvania in a court filing yesterday. And that's what happened. And I see the same thing with Mitch McConnell. These people, the, the Republican Party across the United States, set aside for a moment the election, Donald Trump, and everything that's happened in the last five years. Just set that aside for a moment. Just the fact that these Republicans at the federal, state, and city level all across the United States who are taking money from Coke Industries or Charles Koch's network of buddies and all of the other fossil fuel billionaires and Massey and all these, the coal companies, the oil companies, the natural gas companies, the fracking companies, are out there actively denying that our planet is in a crisis because of fossil fuel pollution, carbon pollution. All of these Republicans are denying this for one reason, not because they believe it, not because there's any science to support it, not because it has anything to do with a conservative ideology that you will find in Russell Kirk's book, The Conservative Mind, or in the writings of William F. Buckley. No, they're holding these positions for one single reason, and that's so they can continue to take money from the fossil fuel industry. And that should disqualify them from any role in polite society in America. The entire damn Republican Party. This is the Tom Hartman Program.
You see, it ain't just the Trump humpers. This cancer is really buried deep in our republic. Mike in Grayling, Michigan. Mike, it says you disagree with me. What's up? Well, well I you go, have you to go to the front line. Yeah. So you're saying, you know, you, 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 the Democrats, uh, they're upset that Trump is challenging the election. Okay. No, he has every right to. Well, I'm, I'm upset right. that he's okay. challenging democracy. Oh, right. Whatever. Uh, you did you ever accept that he won the election, the last election? All the Democrats, yeah. remember Mr. Lewis, he always, he said he's an illegitimate president. And you, did you ever accept that he won? Did he, I'm going to yeah. ask you. Did he, he yeah. won? Did he, yes, did he I've, I've said yes five times, election? Mike. I said, yeah, yes, Donald Trump won the last election. It's unfortunate, but he won the last election. What does that have to do with anything? Why are you saying that Biden cheated? I mean, that's what it says here. You say, you know, you disagree Biden cheated to win. Uh, how? I went to bed Tuesday night. I stayed up. I thought Trump won. The next day, I wake up uh, in Detroit, in Michigan, in the state. I live in Michigan. In the state of Michigan, 100,000 votes showed up in the middle of the night, all for Biden. Every damn one of them. Boy, they really got you, didn't they, Mike? Oh, oh. When, when Trump oh, and DeJoy, right. back eight, nine months ago... When Donald Trump and Louis DeJoy decided that they were going to kneecap the post office and get rid of over 600 multi-million dollar high-speed sorting machines, they did that because they had figured out that the Trump voters were not taking the virus seriously because Trump was saying, it's just like the flu, don't worry. And the Democratic voters were taking the virus seriously because they were actually watching the news and 100,000 people were dead back at that point. And so it was obvious that most of your Democratic votes were going to be mail-in votes and most of your Republican votes were going to be day of election votes. Now, three states that have Republican legislatures, Michigan, Pennsylvania, I believe Wisconsin was the third, those legislatures passed laws or kept in place laws that said that you cannot count mail-in votes until the day after the election. And counting mail-in votes when half your vote is coming in by mail is going to take a couple days. So Trump knew, and the Republicans knew, and by the way, this isn't a secret, right? The news media had been filled with this for months, that, you know, on the day of the election, you're going to see a huge spike for Trump, and then over the next four or five days, as the mail-in votes come in, which are going to be mostly Democratic, you're going to see a shift to Joe Biden. Now, will it shift far enough? We don't know but let's count all the votes. So these guys knew this was going to happen. And Trump's whole plan for, you know, his sucker base, the people who are sending him money right now was, you know, pretend that we didn't know this and pretend like we're shocked. We're shocked. Oh my God, they're counting ballots and Biden is going ahead. Mike, did you not get that memo? Oh, I understood that. But let me tell you this. Uh, I listened on election night. Okay. CNN even said he was, what, 700,000 votes ahead in Pennsylvania. Even fake news CNN said it's a tough hill to climb for Joe Biden. He'd have to get 75% of the votes to to, to pull ahead of Trump. And in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, more than 80% of the mail-in vote was pro-Biden. I mean, what's yeah, surprising whatever. about that, Mike? Those were the people who did not want to go to the polling place and vote. You know, they were concerned about getting the virus. They voted by mail. Several Senile million president. ballots. Yeah, Tommy Harris will be president. Yeah, you know, I hope you're happy. You have against- is, that, is that what you're flipped out about, that there's a black woman who's going to be vice president? Oh, oh, he did? Okay. Sean just dumped Mike. Uh, Joyce's number ends in 3538. You may want to flag that. Uh, let's see here. George in Los Angeles. Hey, George, what's up? Hi, Tom. What was it about Friday that Steve Bannon literally called for the beheading? I, I heard him say it myself. They played the clip on, I think it yeah. was Facebook. But anyway, yeah, okay. Yeah. Call for the beheading of Dr. Fauci and the head of the FBI. Right. It they got him banned permanently from, from it. I mean, it's just like not every day, <laughs> you know, somebody that was once a high mm-hmm. official. Well, this is um, what I'm most looking forward to after January 20th is that, you know, as a talk show host, 
I can go back to talking about things that people care about rather than the four-year freakout of which lie is going to come out of this guy's mouth next. And maybe the Lincoln Project can now go back to, like, being Republicans and working to heal their own party? Get the crazies out? Wouldn't that be nice? VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Will in Broomfield, Colorado. Hey, Will, what's on your mind today? quotation from Karl Popper, Karl with a K, called The Open Society and Its Enemies. Unlimited tolerance must lead to the disappearance of the tolerance. It's called the paradox of tolerance. If we extend unlimited tolerance even to those who are intolerant, if we are not prepared to defend a tolerant society against the onslaught of intolerance, then the tolerance will be destroyed and tolerance with them. And I'm jumping ahead. We should therefore yeah. claim, in the name of tolerance, the right not to tolerate the intolerant. We should claim any movement preaching intolerance places itself outside the law. We should consider excitement to intolerance and persecution as criminal in the same way as we should consider incitement to murder or to kidnapping or to the revival of the slave trade as criminal. So it's not just a matter of sauce for the goose or sauce for the gander. Crimea River Snowflake, there's a very valid, logical reason to say enough is enough. I'm with you. Karl Popper is right as usual. I am completely with you, Will. And I think that's the essence of what I was just saying. So, yeah, great minds think alike. Will, thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that. That, that was a good one. Pam in Chicago. Hey, Pam, what's on your mind? I just want to say, Tom, I'm okay with Trump humpers. I call them bleach drinkers. And then I also call yeah. them the maggots, the Make America Great Again Trump supporters. So either right. one is fine with me. Okay, thank you. Tom, I'm not trying to reconcile with them because they're not ready. They're not coming from a genuine space of, you know, we were wrong. Let's try to work together. And I don't know how soon that's going to hit Biden. But my concern is that Trump is now trying to delegitimize the election and He's such a media hog that it doesn't matter he's seen as being, you know, a, a crybaby about the election as long as his name is in the media. So my concern, Tom, Biden, for me, needs to go on and have a higher press secretary. And that press secretary needs to hold daily president-elect press conferences. And I agree. these need to include the update of what's going on with the administration, but also Biden's plans to move forward. And I think that he's, he can hold these daily press conferences. I think that's something that can be accomplished because we need to hear, Tom, what you're telling us every day on a daily basis about the progress and how the Republican leadership party and supporters are really just trying to put this country at risk. It is a security risk, the behavior about Trump. So I think that should be noted. Also, I'm very concerned that they seem to be putting some of the progressive members, specifically AOC, trying to almost throw her under the bus. I looked at a lot of the coverage, Tom, regarding the uh, election. I heard the questions that some of the pundits asked, and I heard the interview with Representative Clyburn. And they specifically asked him, well, do you think the term defunding and some of the other behavior with the progressive hurt the party? I didn't like Clyburn's response because it was almost as if he was saying, well, you know, we never agree with defunding and the progressive, we need to get in office and then make some changes. I just felt like it was trying to throw AOC and the progressives under the bus 
And I think we need to push back on that. So I did contact Clyburn's office as well as Cedric Richmond, who was, I think, the co-chair of Biden's campaign, because it is not fair. If it wasn't for the progressives, more than likely Biden wouldn't be in office. And right. I don't think, Tom, we can let them forget that. And AOC is also speaking out about Ron Emanuel. It is unacceptable for black people here in Chicago to hear Ron's name mentioned as any cabinet member. That's unacceptable. And that could impact Georgia, which we know we all are trying to, to win uh, to get those seats. So I communicated that, and I hope Biden's campaign gets it. Yeah. Tom, I'm with you, Pam. Press on. Yeah, they are going to have to press on. And when 72% of Americans, according to Fox News, support Medicare for all, problem isn't the progressives. Pam, thank you. Thank you. You, you always say it so well. Thank you so much. Here are the Tom Hartman Program, You're the True People's Media. To the Tom Hartman Program. Are you willing to forgive and forget? I don't watch Fox News very often. You know, we occasionally pop over there just to see what their take is on something. But apparently Tucker Carlson went on this rant about how we all lie all the time, all day, every day. I don't. (laughs) I don't think most people do. I mean, yeah, occasionally somebody will say, "Mm, you know, no, you don't look, you know, fat in that suit or that tie looks nice on you or whatever when they don't really mean it. But I don't think that's what he was talking about, first of all. And secondly, even those kind of lies are actually fairly rare. So I've been trying to figure out, was he talking back to Fox? Was he saying, we're not going to carry Donald Trump's water anymore? That appears to be what conservatives thought he said, because he's being trashed on Twitter and social media right now. Somehow I doubt it, because Tucker Carlson has the integrity of a gnat. Integrity is the wrong word. Veracity. Demonstrated truth-telling. We'll see. Whoa, this is weird. White House officials, this uh, from Raw Story by David Edwards, White House officials are reportedly seeking to terminate some Department of Defense staffers because they applauded acting Undersecretary for Policy Jim Anderson after he reportedly resigned. This, this is coming from Bill Crystal. He said he's spoken with former DOD officials. This is the loyalty oath atmosphere over at the Department of Defense. They are looking for anybody who applauded him as he was leaving the building so that those people can be fired. Can you? This is mind boggling. Meanwhile, Donald Trump Jr. and Kimberly Guilfoyle, his girlfriend that the Trump campaign pays $180,000 a year to sleep with Donald Trump Jr. and campaign for them. Eric's wife is also making $180,000 a year. Nice work if you can get it, right? $180,000 a year. Let's see, that's uh, uh, $120,000 a year would be $10,000 a month. So $180,000 must be $15,000 a month. Not too shabby. Every month getting a check for fifteen grand. David Edwards over at Raw Story. Donald Trump Jr. and Kimberly Guilfoyle speaking with attendees at the 2019 Teen Student Action Summit hosted by Turning Point USA. Oh, that's the photo. I'm sorry. One of President Donald Trump's sons and his girlfriend are hoping to take control of the Republican National Committee, sources told CNN this week. The couple believe that RNC chair Rona McDaniel did not do enough to ensure a Trump campaign victory. This move could prepare the current president for a 2024 comeback. You think? I mean, this is going to be the big crisis for the Republican Party. And it's probably not going to break. It'll break in a small way when Trump concedes the election, if he does, to Biden. It'll break in a big way on January 21st. You think there's a battle inside the Democratic Party between progressives and corporate Democrats? Not a chance. I mean, by and large, progressive Democrats, corporate Democrats, they're they're on the same page on most issues. And even the issues where they're on opposite sides, you know, Medicare for all, the Green New Deal, they agree on principles. They just agree. They just disagree on how to implement it. But on the Republican side, there's going to be open warfare, open political warfare. And it's going to start in mid-January, late January. And it's going to be a battle over who the next Republican nominee for president is going to be. And on one side, Actually, I would argue there are going to be three sides to this. There's going to be the Mitt Romney side. 
there's going to be the so-called rational, reasonable, middle-of-the-road Republican side, where they're going to be saying, "Mm, you know, we need to go back to Jerry Ford Republicanism. I don't think they're going to get any traction, but they're going to be there and they're going to have a, a substantial voice. Then there's going to be the fascist side, which is the post-1980 Republican Party. And I'm guessing Tom Cotton or Josh Hawley, probably Tom Cotton will be their standard bearer and has already made it very clear, in my mind anyway, that he wants to run for president in 2024 as a Republican. He wants to be the Republican nominee. And then the third faction that's going to be in this fight is Donald Trump, because Trump knows that if he can run for president for the next four years, He can raise another billion dollars. And if he raises another billion dollars, he can pay off all his debts. He can pay for his lawyers to keep him out of jail, all kinds of stuff. So over on the Democratic side, yeah, we've got some disagreements, but progressive issues by and large have big support. South Dakota, which went for Trump, 26%, 26% is the margin by which Donald Trump won South Dakota. Some progressives put marijuana, legalizing marijuana on the ballot. It won in South Dakota. Mississippi. Mississippi overwhelmingly went for Donald Trump. Some progressives, some good Democrats got legalized marijuana on the ballot. It won. Montana. Montana's a little more purple. They have one Democratic senator, John Tester, and, and one Republican. Montana, a good progressive, put legalized marijuana on the ballot. And guess what? It passed. People like to vote for progressive policies. So it's going to be real interesting to watch this, but keep your eye on this space. Horatio in San Francisco. Hey, Horatio, what's up? Thank you very much for no apologizing to any of the Trumpers. We won the election, and we will feel proud of that. And we need to seal this with the Georgia two Senate seats to have control of the Senate. Mitch McConnell and also all the Republicans, they want to destroy our country. We don't need to apologize to anyone, to the Trump supporters. If you are a Trump supporter, you, as you said, you don't have anything to do in my life. You don't need to explain why, because they hate and their hate to our community, to the Latino community, has been so bad in these four years that they don't deserve to be called to sit down on a table with me. As as I said, this is a big win. We don't need to apologize to anyone. And what I like is in your show is that people try to explain, oh, I vote for Trump because he is good on this. No, he's not good at anything. Where is the health care that he promised? Everything that he promised, nothing. He has enriched his family. He has destroyed our reputation in the world. And what I love, your show doesn't put up with the BS that these people try to give you. Let's fight until the end. We have an election in Georgia, two Senate seats. I already donated money. I'm very energized to these races. Uh, Stacey Abrams, I have donated money. I live in, in San Francisco, California, and I'm very engaged. I am very energized and in good mood because I call Trump the beast. The beast has been defeated. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Horatio. Spot on. Calvin in Chicago. Hey, Calvin, what's on your mind today? Lady wants to know why black men are voting for Trump. To my understanding is that you know, a lot of people are voting according to certain uh, issues that they have. Ministers in, or religious leaders in the South are telling people to vote against abortion. So if they vote right. in order to vote against abortion, they need, they need to vote Republican. It doesn't take in the fact that they're voting against their own best interests. A lot of people are voting Republican because they're against gun laws. And my understanding is this country would never be without guns and it'll never be a socialist country because too many people are holding on to the idea of or the dream of being uh, as a capitalist, that one day they're going to be rich. They can get rich and they don't want the government taking their money. As long as this is a capitalist country, they are free to pursue wealth. Yeah, uh, that's the Republican uh, sales pitch, but there's nobody proposing the kind of socialism where the government owns factories. I mean, nobody is even talking about that. Um, Absolutely. What we're talking about is socialism like Social Security and fire departments and police departments and good public schools. That's all socialism, too. Yeah. And health. You know, I I was talking to a co-worker and they was telling me that, you know, uh, the far right is want to make this a socialist country. You know, and I'm like, I said, but that's that's what Medicaid is. Medicare is for elderly. 
so they can have uh, yeah. health insurance. You're going to retire yeah. one day. You mean to tell me you want to be responsible for paying for your own health insurance? I don't think so. You know, so they voting yeah. against their own best interests. Spot on. I think you're absolutely right. And this is why Democrats need a better message and more message voices. Uh, <laughs> a fellow in Rockland, California, Michael Mason has filed a restraining order against his neighbor because he says his neighbor is harassing him because he's a big supporter of Donald Trump. He says, I didn't want to do this. They're making me have to do this. He filed a restraining order that would keep all of his neighbors 100 feet away from his house because he says his ring doorbell video shows children doing Biden chants in front of his house. These are the people who, when Donald Trump was declared the victor by the Electoral College four years ago, even though he lost the national vote by three million votes, these are the people who said, F your feelings. Right? That was their slogan. Right? It was on T-shirts. He says, I'm tired of getting harassed all the time. My kids don't want to go outside. Somebody also, the other thing that he's very, very horrified about is that uh, somebody used a piece of chalk to chalk art out on the sidewalk in front of his house, BLM, as in Black Lives Matter. Poor guy. You know, you just have to, you just have to kind of feel sad for these folks, right? Or not. Dan in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Hey, Dan, what's up? Hey, Tom. Hey, I just wanted to make a little comment about a guy that you guys had to bail on that was a Trump supporter and where mm-hmm. he was going with what he was talking about. I've heard that song and Dan pretty much every week because I live in a rural area of Pennsylvania. He was starting up with, uh, you know, I make $600 a month. And he was going to continue going on about how the unemployed, you know, the people that were going to get help with the uh, pandemic response would be making more money than him. And that is a right. huge deal to these people. I don't know what, when it happened, but um, we got away from society on the right, and they have become individuals and become incredibly selfish. And that This goes is, back to the hard. 80s, Dan. This is one of the core conservative memes. It literally goes back to the 80s. And this was Ronald Reagan's pitch to destroy unions. He would speak to non-union people, not specifically him, but the whole right-wing machine, would speak to non-union people and say, those union guys are making more than you, and it's not fair. We need to break up their union. And so it was pitting worker against worker and using basically envy, class envy, wealth envy, whatever you want to call it, as the device with worker against worker against unions. Back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, they were telling white people, black people are coming. Actually, in the 50s through the 70s, the big backlash to the women's movement was they were telling white men, white women are coming for your jobs. Then it became black people are coming for your jobs. Then it became, oh my God, the Hispanics are coming for your jobs, which has been you know, Donald Trump's primary sales pitch. And now it's, oh my God, somebody on unemployment is making more money than you are on social security. And in every case, it's like this, this let's all share in grievance. Oh my God, somebody else is doing well and I'm not doing so well. So rather than lifting me up, rather than raising social security benefits, let's cut their benefits. Sorry, Dan, I, I, I jumped in on top of you, but you, you can finish your thought now. Oh, no, no, you, uh, you, you answered it perfectly. I was going to say that, you know, until we can fix the issue of, you know, getting back into like a societal type of, you know, thought process, I don't know how much good we can possibly do. You know, we need to all work together. And as of right now, yeah. it doesn't seem like it's possible. Yeah, and we need to be calling that that very, very selfish, very, uh, you know, kind of class warfare language out, too. Tim in Aloha, Oregon. Hey, Tim, what's up? Uh, and we've talked before. I've lived in the same community for 30 years, and I try to get an idea of what's going on. I talk to my neighbors and stuff, and there's one gal that lives fairly close to me. I was walking home from the store. She's a teacher, actually a substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. She's out of work now because of the pandemic, but... When I walked by, she immediately started talking about the election, and, and she said, who'd you vote for? And I said, well, who'd you vote for? And she said, well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? She said, that Biden's a criminal. And she said, we, I talked with my son. She said, the, the only solution, I think, that, that we've come up with is that we need to go out and buy more guns and ammunition. This is a teacher living about four blocks from me in a suburb of Portland. Now, what do you think is happening in Idaho and Montana and North and South Dakota? Oh, yeah. This is, this is scary. And, and, and where are they getting these ideas? They're getting them out of Facebook and they're getting them from right wing hate radio. 
Absolutely. You know, the Rush Limbaugh, Alec Jones. I mean, it's ridiculous stuff. And, and you know, and now you look at the, the, the key number that we all have to look at is 70 million who voted for that lunatic. You know, that's scary. Yeah. You know, it really is. Yeah. And, and what's what's going to happen? Can you imagine if if uh, he came out with his stand uh, stand down and stand by routine again? How many of these people would be coming? Yeah. They, they're already coming out of the woodwork as it is. It's, well, that's routine. that's what he's going to be doing, Tim. He's 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 reaching out to these folks. I mean, that that uh, neighbors slash teacher that, you know, is I would bet almost anything on the receiving end of regular fundraising appeals from Donald Trump and all his buddies, and they're just running a con. I mean, they're Trump's new money-making scheme. He's raised over a billion dollars in four years. He's a businessman. Who can look at a billion dollars and say, huh, look at that. I could do that and not even have to spend the money, you know? This is going to be his new scam, his new con. And I'll tell you, the Democrats have to get a little bit of a spine. You know, I'm getting tired of this kumbaya, my bipartisanship and my Republican, Republican yeah. colleagues, because they have no interest in doing anything but staying in power. Yeah. People's lives don't matter, obviously. And I yeah. think what, no, what Biden should have, should have said was, the moment I'm sworn in and I'm officially president, I'm going to put that SOB under arrest. Wouldn't that be a great statement, you know? I mean, that's how scary Well, it would, but let the gears of justice grind, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, you know, the fact that I can even make that statement shows you the position we're in right now, you know? It's scary. Yeah, it, it, it really and truly is. Tim, thanks a lot for the call. John in Panama City, Florida. Hey, John, what's on your mind? I can't possibly forgive Donald Trump supporters or anybody who voted for him for numerous reasons, but this was specifically having to do with the military. Donald Trump was responsible for taking thousands of transgender members out of the military, buddied up with Putin, and we already know that Russia was putting bounties on the heads of U.S. servicemen. He called U.S. servicemen suckers and losers. The Republicans always love to claim how they love the military, love the military, but the leader of the Republican Party just totally through the military under the bus, and he's a horrible person for doing that. And if you voted for him, you are wrong. I understand you could have been fooled four years ago when you initially voted for him, but if you voted for him this past election, you are 110% wrong, and you cannot call yourself a patriot, and you can't say you really love the military. I'm just saying. Spot on. Absolutely agree with everything you said, John. Thank you. Janice in Sacramento, California. Hey, Janice, what's up? My husband and I, I've been doing this for 50 years, you know, since the Civil Rights Movement, 65 political activities and I'm worn out and I think living in a country where half of the people voted for a man like that was seriously thinking of moving to Canada. We have everything we need. We have a sponsor. We have uh, means. We have we can sell our home. I mean, and I don't want to sound like this, but I'm wondering if there's any other 70-year-olds like myself who are just worn out and I don't want to live in a country that has become so last time I saw you toxic I dreamed I think that was about five years ago or something you were still in DC I never dreamed that this would happen and frankly I'm worn out I don't know what to do but to call you and say you knew me how excited I used to be and I'm not anymore I'm just worn out well Janice I, I don't want to burst your bubble but do you know anything about Stephen Harper uh, no, I don't. Because before Justin Trudeau, Canada had a conservative prime minister who cut back on their national health care system, who dialed back their Medicare benefits, who cut back yeah. on programs for their poor. Canada goes back and forth between conservative and liberal. No, and there like, are some states in Canada like. or some provinces in Canada yeah. that are pretty much conservative run. Al- Alberta is the big one. Saskatchewan to a certain extent, too. Not like petro this. states, not, basically. Not like this. Talk. No, it's not. It's not as bad as here. Number one. And number two, I'm amazed you could get a sponsor because I'm hearing that Canada does not want Americans, period, full stop. I have a friend who's a psychiatrist who moved to Canada. I've known this guy for 30 years. He moved to Canada and he's my age. He's in fact, he's probably a couple years older than me. He's in his early 70s. He moved to Canada when he was in his early 50s and got a job as a professor in a university in one of the Canadian provinces and has a private practice as a psychiatrist. When he turned 60, Canada kicked him out. And what they did was they discovered, they went through his American criminal record, and I put that in quotes, and found that he had gotten a speeding ticket for going 20 miles over the speed limit down in Arizona back in the 80s. 
and they said that is technically a crime and we are kicking you out of the country. And the real reason was that they didn't want to pay for his health care. I haven't gotten caught, but you know. Okay. <laughs> you know, you put it out there. It'll be interesting to see how many people call in and say, yeah, I'd love to move to Canada. Janice, thank you very much. She was saying she's just exhausted. Four years of Trump and she's exhausted. She's ready to leave. I'm not. I'm not exhausted. I mean, I am. <laughs> I am exhausted. I'm not so exhausted I want to leave the country. But one of the things that I really got when Biden was declared the winner by the networks was, wow. I mean, it's like, I'm sure we've all had these moments in our lives where, you know, we're in a meeting or we're having an intense conversation with somebody or something. And it comes to a resolution and all of a sudden you just take a deep breath and go, wow, I hadn't realized how tense I was. And it was like when Biden was declared the winner, it was like I hadn't realized how tense I was for the last four years, five years, maybe. But anyway, let's pick up your phone calls here. Greg in Richmond, Kentucky. Hey, hey, Greg, what's on your mind? I was going to echo Janice's thoughts about immigration to Canada. I don't know if mm-hmm. your viewers or listeners know that right now, if you're an American citizen and you're considering immigrating to New Zealand and you have an IT degree or you have skilled trades experience in construction, welding, things of that nature, you're going to get a top priority and probably a citizen within a year. And they have you know complete socialized medicine wonderful benefits. I think it's about five or six weeks a year vacation for workers. So a lot better system than we have here. Huh. Interesting. Again, I thought it was very difficult to get New Zealand citizenship, but you learn something every day. IT. What is IT? Information technology. Oh, information technology. That's right. Okay. Greg, thanks. That's an interesting bit of data there. Julie, are you thinking of leaving the country? (laughs) Hey, Julie, Indian Trail, North Carolina. What's on your mind? I'm staying. We love it here. But uh, my husband voted for Trump. I did not. You, he considered you himself. You have my sympathy. <laughs> you need to hear my dilemma, <laughs> but you probably already understand. He considers himself a conservative Republican, and there's nothing I can do to change his mind. I don't want to change his mind, but he refuses to talk about anything. He refuses to watch debates or listen to any news sources other than his own. And he says, claims mine are fake news, and I'm like, well, which one is fake news? Is it Free Speech TV, MSNBC, Washington Post, NPR, your local news channels? You know, or even right. CNN, which one is the fake news? Is your Rush Limbaugh and uh, Fox News and Alex Jones, are those the credible sources you're talking about? I don't understand if he won't talk to me. Maybe I need to stop teasing him. But mm. there's no conversation. And yeah. he refuses to talk I about global warming. All those things. Does he drive a lot? I guess he used to, but no, no. I guess he's in the car good part of the day. Because I'm guessing he's listening to right-wing talk radio. I mean, that will suck you in. They, they have a very persuasive sales pitch, you know, right across the board there. And, and, you know, what we have been doing up until this last year, what I think most, not just progressives, most Americans, I was really struck by a post I saw on one of the social media sites this morning that showed a whole bunch of American flags flying from the fronts of houses after the election. And they said, now people are flying the Biden flag and it's the American flag, whereas the Trump humpers are flying the, you know, their giant Trump flags or the Gadsden Mm -hmm. flag. I really think that for the first three years of the Trump presidency, when we get together at at Thanksgiving or Christmas or or whatever, you know, or at work, you know, uh, with people who are so-called conservative Republicans, we would just avoid talking politics. And if you avoid talking politics, very much like avoiding talking religion, you know, which can also be very contentious. And to a large extent, politics in America is starting to mirror religion. That is to say, it's a belief system rather than an empirical reality. If you avoid talking about those things, you can still have good and meaningful relationships. If my wife was was a supporter of Donald Trump, I would, and I valued my marriage, I would just not talk about it anymore. That's the issue. I mean, I consider myself a white Christian grandma and my husband right. was a christian when i married him now he's a far-right patriarchal conservative yeah and there's well, there's no there's no talking there's no talking with him and his rage is to the point where i just need to leave the room mm. I, what do you do i can't advise you i i can't imagine what a difficult situation that must be particularly during this covid time when it's hard to get away from each other 
Wow, you have my sympathy, Julie. I don't have any easy answers other than, you know, avoiding discussing politics and trying to discuss family and, and remembering, you know, when you got together and the things that, that are, have been important to you throughout all the years of your marriage and your life to try and reinforce that sense of we're here for each other, regardless of other stuff like politics. Julie, I wish you well. Thank you for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Marilyn in Sun City, West Arizona. Hey, Marilyn, what's on your mind today? I identify with the caller who's married to a Republican because that's me as well. But I also wish people would stop calling Canadian health care socialized medicine because it's not the the government doesn't own the hospitals and the doctors. It's just single payer. But I am concerned that all of the differences across the Democratic platform get put aside really quickly and strongly because I think we only have one chance to get this right and to ram through everything that we can because we're starting off with a deficit having not only to undo all the damage that Trump has done but to get our promises out to the American people on infrastructure, Social Security, Medicare, etc., COVID, the stimulus package and it's going to take every waking hour and if you look at how hard Obama had to work to get the ACA passed it's true we're not coming fresh into a bush crash but he didn't have COVID the country wasn't nearly as divided we still had a halfway decent Supreme Court and just to say that if we don't form a plan that's going to make a huge difference in four years, I have heard the rumblings of Donald Trump Jr. already making plans to run in 2024. And if we don't make a big difference, he will mop the floor with us because he's got four years to prepare. I was going to say, I'm not so worried about Donald Trump Jr., but I said that five years ago about Donald Trump Sr., and that was a big mistake. But I think the the main take home on the Trump family is that they have figured out that they can make more money in politics than in real estate. And this is going to be their new scam. And it's going to be a full time, 24 seven scam. They're going to try it at the top. They're going to try, you know, running for president and taking over the RNC. If that doesn't work, they're going to figure out some other way to do it. But, you know, it's like the preachers who figure out that if they go on the radio, they can make a whole lot more money than just running a church. And suddenly they are the anointed ones, you know, and so, yeah, I think so. The problem with saying, you know, Democrats need to set aside their differences, I think that we need to acknowledge that on probably 90% of all issues, we agree largely completely on things, various parts of the Democratic Party on that remaining 10%, we can achieve a negotiated settlement. But there are some principles that are at work, and I think the largest principle is money in politics, which is democracy itself. And as long as we have Democrats who are opposed to campaign finance reform, we're going to have a real struggle inside the Democratic Party, because until we actually get campaign finance reform, like we got here in Portland through ballot initiative in this last election, and like Congress passed in the 1970s and then the Supreme Court overturned with Citizens United, until we get back to something like that, it's going to be a constant battle against not Republicans or evil people. It's going to be a constant battle against billionaires and big industries. I absolutely get your point, and I totally agree with the sentiment. And Marilyn, I wish you the very best in, you know, with your husband and your marriage. That, that's got to be a tough one. Marilyn, thank you for the call. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. AJ in Gainesville, Florida. Hey, AJ, what's up? I just wanted to take a couple of minutes to disagree with you. You were asking a question about whether we should throw out the olive branch to the supporters who lost, uh, whose man lost this election a few days ago. And I say no. I think they have to come around on their own. So that's my position on that. And you had also said something like there were 30 to 40 percent of his supporters that she thought were not racist. 
and I respectfully disagree. I think in the media, we've had plenty of time to take a look at his racism dating way back to the discrimination with HUD, to the Central Park Five. But if people were just paying attention to five years ago, starting five years ago, Tom, they would have seen plenty. I mean, everything from kids in cages to Charlottesville, where he actually was supportive of the white supremacists who were marching and making anti-Semitic statements, Jews will not replace us. And so I think that a vote for him, whether it was five years ago or whether it was most recently, is a tacit approval of his behavior because it proves to me that racism is not a deal breaker for you. And then very quickly, right. I just want to mention a couple. Well, of things. hang on, just if I, um, if I may, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. let you get to you really quickly. Sure. No problem. It may be kind of elitist privilege or something to say there's a difference between being a fulminating racist, somebody who, you know, actively goes out and, and spreads racist BS and, and speaks poorly of other people versus being someone who tolerates a racist, that is, votes for Donald Trump because they really want the steel mill down the street to open back up again. But hey, he's a racist, so I'll put up with him. But there is a slight difference anyway, is there not? No, I don't think there is, because I think that when we talk about racism or not being racist, it's a moral question. And if you can, if you're saying that you've got to put money, and when I think of the racists that are supporting him, I mean, I, I think it's a different situation with the working class people that are doing it, because I think they feel empowered somehow by attaching themselves to him. Yes, but the when whole I think own about the, the wealthy thing. people, yeah, but with the wealthy people, it's all about my tax cut. You know, I'm the top 1% and I'm the chief beneficiary and the executives at the corporations. Those folks and the white, you know, the working class people, it's all racism. And you don't have to be overtly racist to be racist. But once again, he's proven repeatedly who he is by his words and his behavior. And it's at foghorn status. So it's not even an undercurrent at this point. So I think that that. you're approving of him. You're approving of him. And then the other two things I wanted to say very quickly were that I think too much emphasis has been put on his racism against African-Americans and Latinos and Hispanics, etc. Not enough on the anti-Semitism. And one thing that Mary Trump mentioned in her book that I saw in one of her interviews that I was stunned by was the fact that, yes, of course, she said she believes he got his beliefs from the grandfather, right? The president got his beliefs from the grandfather. And she said, when an Italian family moved into their neighborhood in New York, the grandfather had a meltdown and a fit. Italians were not acceptable to him. And, you know, to me, that was all across New York. I mean, Leo DiCaprio made a movie about it. Gangs in New York. Yeah. Well, but what we're talking about is when, fast forward, when they actually moved into their Jamaica, Queens, New York neighborhood, that is when an Italian family actually moved in, and that wasn't that remote. And I'm not talking about, you know, originally in this country when Italians and Irish came over and they were not considered to be white. Oh, you were saying grandfather. Um, I was was figuring, because his father was born in the late 1800s. His grandfather had to have been born around the time of of the Civil War. Yeah, I was talking about Mary's grandfather. Oh, you're talking about Fred Trump. Right, right. Mary's grandfather, not beyond that. And the other thing that I wanted to mention also is that somebody said something about the Canadian border and wanting to go there. We actually are banned because of our poor performance with COVID-19. We can't even go there right now. And the other thing is Marco Rubio stunned me. He actually reached out to Emily at GSA today and said, release the transition funds. This is a national security issue. And then finally, the Georgia legislature is in discussion right now, Tom, trying to do away with vote by mail for the Senate runoffs in January. So stay tuned. Of course they are. Of course they are. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, I predicted this. Was it yesterday or was it last Friday? I I predicted that Mm -hmm. the Georgia legislature Mm -hmm. would try to get rid of the. You know, it's it's (laughs) amazing. Amazing. By the way, I want the one point I wanted to make to you. The reason why those guys were chanting Jews will not replace us in Charlottesville Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was because there there was a a leaflet, a booklet that had been passed out before before the march that they were they were all in on. 
that was about how George Soros was paying black people to move into white neighborhoods. That's what they were talking about. So anyhow, AJ, thanks for the call. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. In other words, even the Jews will not replace us wasn't pure anti-Semitism. It was anti-Semitic, but it was also racist. Deborah in Perry County, Kentucky. Hey, Deborah, what's up? Don't you see that the rich and powerful that somehow deflected our focus from Occupy Wall Street, to, which threatened wealth and where Trump is from, to blame the world poor? I, I feel so threatened by civil war. I, it's unspeakable that we think we can accomplish something by killing the poor. I know it's easier. Uh, we're dead already here. We've been dead for a long time. We are laid deplorable. Then, um, then you need to stop voting Republicans in, in Kentucky because this is not a problem in blue states. Poverty is a problem so everywhere in the country. But. By, by red, dividing us by red and blue is... Uh, and you assume our voting machines work perfectly? Well, why, why would you do that? Um, you have great powers on all the time when you speak of how... Yeah, it's not, it's not rigged voting, voting machines, yeah. Deborah. I mean, that may be a problem in one place or another, but the, the bottom line is that in red states, you've got, uh, in, in large part, you've got a very active, very aggressive, very dominant right-wing radio media infrastructure, not to mention all the Sinclair television stations. And the Republican Party has insinuated itself into those aspects of rural life, like country music, NASCAR, the county fairs, I mean, just in jet rodeos, all kinds of stuff that have, have become Republican sponsored. They find these, these iconic cultural touchstones in rural America and say, this is our brand. And poor people and rural people are buying this stuff. Deborah, I'm sorry, I, it's really hard for me to hear. Your phone is distorting really badly, so I'm going to drop the call. But I understand what you're saying and, and that you feel that you're put upon. Go back to the 1960s. The war on poverty was Lyndon Johnson's idea. The Republicans almost unanimously opposed it. Yes, there were still a few progressive Republicans back then. Bob Packwood of Oregon comes to mind, who supported the war on poverty. But by and large... From the 60s forward, the Republican Party has been in favor of pushing all the money up to the fat cats, and the Democratic Party has been in favor of bringing some of that money down to the average person and to the poor. And to the extent that it's been a losing strategy for Democrats, it's been because, by and large, poor people, number one, don't donate to political campaigns, and the Supreme Court has rigged our system so that rich people have much louder voices than poor people. And number two, very often don't vote. It's not going to be corrected by my changing how I speak of poor people. This is, uh, it's just, a, it's a real tragedy. Dan in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, Dan, what's up? Hey, Tom, I was calling to verify that the angry and paranoid Trump neighbor is absolutely a thing. I have one of them on my street, just to, to set the context. We live in a very residential neighborhood, cul-de-sac street. This person and her husband put up a six-foot Trump sign, as well as several down-ballot signs supporting other Republicans, and then apparently felt nervous about that, put up cameras as well as no trespassing signs on her property. So it's a real thing, and I guess my question is, really, like, what's the psychology behind these people? How do you even deal with it? I can tell you, Dan, this is something the, the guy who basically started Fox News really, really understood. I mean, you know, Rupert Murdoch knows this, right? He's been through this with uh, his newspapers in Australia. He's been through this with his newspapers in the UK and now in the United States. And that is that if you want to create not just a place where people go for news or information or even entertainment, but a place where people feel like their personal sense of self, their personal identity is entangled with that organization. In this case, that would be Fox News. And Roger Ailes, of course, understood this as well. If you want to do that, what you have to have is shared grievance and shared fears. You have to reach out to those people and say, we are afraid of this, you should be afraid of this. We are being hurt by this, you are being hurt by this. And that's what they're selling. 
You know, I'm telling you, every liberal should watch Fox News for a, a couple of hours, at least once every month, just to see how this works, because there is an actual method to this madness. And I'm not talking about their news programs in the middle of the day. I'm talking about their you know, morning and, after and evening primetime shows. This is what they do, Dan. And this is, this is, by the way, a technique that is used by cult leaders and has been for centuries. Anyhow, we'll continue all this tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. Yes, we all have to be involved. That's why it's called democracy. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. And I hope you have a wonderful day today. Get out and, and enjoy some fresh air one way or another, and be really kind to the people around you. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 